You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Why don't you go ahead and tell someone beside you, across from you, someone maybe you don't know, uh, the title of my sermon this morning, The Light of the World, The Light of the World. I said someone you don't know, so just... Well, again, very happy Christmas to everyone here. Merry Christmas and a warm welcome from the Plus Life team and family. Thank you for joining us for our first candlelight service that we're going to be doing. And of course, there's going to be lunch after this. And um, again, it was great to see the kids up here for their first time and doing their dance and singing a bit. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that happening in our church. It shows that our church is growing and moving forward in, in things and seasons. And definitely seeing my kids up here, that was, that was, that's definitely new. Uh, I think that's the first time I've seen them uh, up on stage doing some sort of act. I saw my wife up here. It's definitely a stage mom, right, with a camera and everything. Fantastic. But my kids are growing up, of course, and uh, they're, not, they're not little babies anymore. And, and, of course, they're at that stage where they're starting to understand the meaning of Christmas, and, and what my wife and I have been trying to instill to them or trying to disciple them in is really that. What is the meaning of Christmas beyond sort of the events and the lights and decorations and, and festivities, all of, that, all of that stuff? What is the meaning of Christmas? We want to teach them why it is that we celebrate what we celebrate, the reason for this season. And what I love about the passage that we just read in the Gospel of John is that that is the Christmas story boiled down to the very core of, of Christmas. That is a Christmas story without Mary and Joseph, without the manger, without the shepherds. It's the story of Christmas in its essence, in its core. You take away everything else, this is the story of Christmas. And that story, of course, is the story of the eternal God, the God who created the entire universe, who was, who is, and is to come, who will forever will be, the one who, by his word, spoke everything into existence, who is, as the Bible describes, holy, holy, holy. It is a, the story of Christmas is a story of that God coming down in human flesh to our earth to be with us as we've been singing already this morning. As we even read in our passage, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the story of Christmas, of Advent, of, of, of the, the reason what we celebrate every year. Yet, though this passage that we just read is very diminished and brought down, again, there's no manger, there's no Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, there's no wise men, it does re retain one aspect of the Christmas festivities that we always partake in every year, and that is, of course, the idea or the, 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 the symbolism of light, of light. Multiple times in our passage, starting from verse 4, it talks about this. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then in verse 6, it goes on to say, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. In verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. And then verse 8, he was not the light, but came bare to witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. The word light is repeated multiple times in our passage alone. Now, 
It's interesting because, again, it's part of our festivities. Uh, last year, I think it was last year, my, my neighbor, he installed uh, some Christmas lights for us just above our garage. And, and it's interesting because now whenever we're coming home in the evening, it's on and it, it's a very flashy light. It's kind of like it changes colors. It's not just one light. It, it's like a disco light, really. And now every time we're driving home and we're about to reach the driveway, my, my kids are like, party dance, party dance, because they want to go dance under these this multicolored lights. I don't know where they got this idea that that's how you dance, like it's a club or something. I've never been to a club, so I don't know where they're getting these ideas from. Uh, ask my wife, maybe. But listen, you know, it's, it's so interesting that there's this great anticipation and excitement from my kids coming home every time just to see that light, just to see those lights. And the Bible describes the advent of Christ with same anticipation and excitement. Paul says in Romans that the whole of creation, everything ever created in all the universe, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth for this moment. For this advent of the Savior, waiting for this light to come into the world. And indeed, 2,000 odd years ago, Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin, born in a manger, to be the light of the world. But why is this imagery, the symbolism of light, so important to the Christmas story? Why is it used to describe Christ himself and his appearing? Well, Light symbolizes a couple of things. It, sim- it symbolizes illumination, uh, 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 going from darkness to a place of light, being able to see so that you don't stumble. Light oftentimes is associated with life itself. Back in the day, fire is associated with life. Uh, fire is light, therefore life and light were synonymous. And in addition to that, light also symbolized or was a reference to the truth and coming to illumination, being, being illuminated with the truth, coming to awareness of the truth. In the original Greek, the word for light was phos, P-H-O-S, phos. It means not just light, in fact, but it used to describe the radiance of light, what the, what the light resulted in, what the light illuminated, what the light manifested in its, in its radiance. And so the question I sort of want to answer for us this morning is, Jesus, as he came into this world, as the advent of Christ came into the world, as the light of the world, what did he illuminate? What did he bring? What did he manifest with his radiance, his light? And our goal this morning is to unpack from our passage what exactly the light of Christ brought into the world, what we are celebrating this Christmas season. Our passage tells us, in fact, three things that Jesus brings with his advent and what that light means for us in in 2022, going into 2023. My hope for us this morning, church and family, is that we would be reminded of what the light of Christ means for us as those who are believers and both those who, who are yet to believe. So that we might, again, whenever we see the Christmas trees with the lights and whenever we come and celebrate Christmas and and we decorate our our, our houses and our trees, that we would truly understand why we do that. Why why light is such an iconic symbol in the Christmas season. And of course, we get this from Jesus Christ as the light of the world. So what does the light of Christ symbolize according to our passage? First and foremost, it symbolizes hope for a dark world. 
hope for a dark world. Look at verse 5 of me again. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a couple of points in this verse alone, about three. It says, firstly, Jesus is the light. The light shines, then that light that it's speaking about is Jesus himself. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus himself is calling, is admitting, is explicitly declaring that he is that light. He is the light of the world. Now, in addition to that, the passage, the verse also says, the light shines in the darkness. What is this darkness that it's talking about here? Well, the Bible associates darkness with, sort of in contrast to light, it associates darkness with blindness. The inability to see or to perceive truth, to even self-deception. It talks about it in various places that those who walk in darkness are the only ones who stumble in darkness. Jesus himself says in John chapter 12, verse 35, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtakes you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. So there's this idea of, 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 of being blinded by darkness. Darkness also is associated with hopelessness. In the book of Job, if you've ever read that, Job describes darkness as a time of of joylessness, a time of hopelessness, a time of gloom and deep despair. Above all that, the Bible describes darkness and associates darkness with a fallen world. A fallen world. A world that is full of sin, of wickedness, of sickness, of evil, of despair, and even evil people. Those who, those, who live in, in, who, those who live in darkness, who walk in darkness, who scheme in darkness, who are full of darkness according to the Bible. And, and I think we know this to be true enough. The world is a, a dark place. Not to get everyone down on, you know, near, nearing Christmas, but we know this to be true. It's why we lock the doors at night. It's why countries go to war over, over greed and power. Oftentimes, why when we watch TV or the news, we can become discouraged or hopeless. I mean, we can all attest to this, right? If you don't recall, it's, it's maybe only been a year since we came out of that two-year pandemic or so. Where mental health issues were on a rise, where people were getting sick and death was around everyone. We know that the world is dark. And, that's, and, and those are just talking about the sort of physical things around us. And, you know, if we start thinking about inflation going up and the cost of living and where are we going to bring or make ends meet for our family and or parents worrying about the kind of world that their kids are going to grow up in, I think everyone here can agree that the world is a dark place. But yet, that's the kind of world that Jesus came into. As our passage says, he shone his light. He came to this world of darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Overcome meaning to seize, to aggressively take, to extinguish that light. Yet, the darkness has not overcome the light of Christ. 
Despite how overwhelmingly evil and dark and corrupt and wicked the world is, the Bible says it could not overcome the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to illuminate the dark world, to give us something sure to follow, something to secure our faith and, and our hope in, something that, sem- that, that resembles some sort of peace in this tumultuous and ever-changing world. Jesus came to bring hope. How, you might ask? Because the darkness could not, cannot, will not ever overcome Christ, his light. Jesus himself says in John 16, he says, in John 16, verse 33, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus came to bring hope to a dark world. Now you might be thinking, well, that's great news, right? That's great. Jesus sounds great. We don't need to live in darkness anymore because he came into the world, right, to be our light, to be our assurance, to be our hope. That's great. That's a Christmas miracle. Let's celebrate and have lunch. Well, there's a great problem that our passage describes. It says in verse 10 of our passage, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And in verse 11, he says, He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. This, by the way, is not just talking about his sort of Jewish neighbors or the people of his day. This this word of his own is more so talking or referencing his domain or rather his creation. Remember in verse 3 of that passage, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus came to his own creation, humanity, the world, us, and they did not receive. They did not accept him. Why is that? Why is it that as great as Jesus sounds and as good as he is, and as a great a gift that he came to be, the light of the world and what he brings, the hope that he brings, why is it that we did not accept him? Well, the Bible is very clear. John 3, 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. See, the Bible describes the world as being dark and evil as we we just mentioned, as we just went through. And it's dark and evil because of sin. And sin is in the world for no other reason except because we You and me are sinners. Because many, many years ago, our our great ancestor, Adam and Eve, chose to disobey God. Chose to rebel against the standards of God. And therefore, everyone is born, every human being, even the kids that were up here singing those great songs, were born with a sin nature. The, The 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 inclination to rebel against God, the inclination to, to, to do what is evil rather than what is good. I always use this illustration whenever I, get, I talk about this, but my son, Judah, you never have to teach him how to lie. You never have to teach him how to, to rebel and be angry. You've got to teach him how to tell the truth, how to obey. Kids are born 
with this darkness. Don't believe the world. And it says that we are all born inherently good. That is a lie straight from the enemy. We are born with a sin nature. It's what makes us selfish. It's what makes us hateful and prideful. It's what causes us to hurt others. It's what causes us to lie and curse and act pridefully. The Bible says, and it's very clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And oftentimes when we think about a sinner, we think about the guy in the news who's, who's done some horrendous crime. But the reality is every single one of us, including me, fall into this category. You know, talking about Christmas, there's no naughty or nice list. There's only a naughty list. And all of us are underneath it. We're all rebels, disobedient according to the standards of God. And, and listen, the, it's not just the Bible that talks about this, by the way. Every world religion, you name it, talks about how there is some inherent evil, some sinfulness inside of all of us. And every religion in the world says that in order to receive God, to be with God, to be, to be received by God, to meet with God, we need to change ourselves. We, we need to get rid of that evil. We need to start doing good, start going to the temple, give to the poor, be kind, avoid vices in our life. Only then, only then can you get closer to the divine, to, to God. Every world religion tells the same story, except the story of Jesus Christ, except the Bible. See, the story of Christmas is Jesus coming to a sinful world, knowing full well that the world would reject him, that the world would hate him, the world is sinful, that the world loves the darkness rather than the light. The story is of Christmas is God coming to a sinful world nonetheless. See, the story of Christmas is a story of God's grace, as the Bible calls it. Jesus, as the light of the world, points to the grace of God for a disobedient world. Grace for a disobedient world. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by the grace, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible defines grace as God's favor, His good, His blessings, His, His love given to us through, the, given to us though we did not deserve it or earn it. Unlike, again, these other world religions that say you need to work for God's love. You need to earn God's uh, good standing before God. The Bible says that Christ came to us despite us never having earned his presence. Never, never having deserved him coming to us in the first place. He came as a gift. This is where the tradition of gift giving comes from, by the way. And this is also why, uh, you know, I, I think the world has it really backwards and why, uh, 
I think me and my wife won't be teaching my kids about Santa Claus because the idea of Santa or what is it, the elf on the shelf, kind of creepy, the little elf watching you, of your kids and whatnot. But the idea that the world has when it comes to gifts is that you need to be a good person to receive a gift on Christmas. If not, you get a, a lump of what? Coal. Like, who uses coal these days, right? Like, actually, with electrical bills nowadays, I might as well give me coal, right? Use that for heat instead. But the world has it backwards. It says that you need to do good things and be a good person the entire year for you to get a gift. God's grace says otherwise. God's grace says even if you, even if you don't deserve it, even if you have never earned it, without us having to, done, to have done anything for God's grace, for his gift of his son, Jesus came nonetheless to this earth. And why, why you might ask, why did he do this? Out of love. That's why we give gifts to one another in Christmas, to our loved ones, because we love them, not because they made us happy all year, because we love them. In the same way God gives us, gifts us his son, Jesus Christ, out of grace and love. In John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Though we love the darkness rather than the light, Christ was given to us anyways. He was gifted to us out of love anyways. That gift of grace didn't stop at, at the coming of Christ, at the advent of Christmas. The Bible says that that baby born of a virgin, born in a manger, grew up, lived a sinless life, then died on the Roman cross for our sins. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin, or the punishment of sin, is death. In the original Greek, thanatos. It's an all-encompassing death, not just a physical death, but a spiritual one. It's talking about hell. Though he lived a sinless life, Jesus took the death, the punishment on the cross, the payment for our sins, our failures, our pride, our selfishness, our rebellion against God. Jesus took that punishment unto himself. For what reason? It says in our passage, so that we can have a relationship with God. Look at verse 12 with me from John chapter 1. He says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came so that we could be called, so that we could become children of God. No longer enemies of God, no longer rebels against God, no longer sinners against God. No longer having to experience the punishment of sin or hell, but rather have everlasting life, eternal relationship with God to those who believe. And the reason why we know and we are assured this eternal life because three days after Jesus died on a Roman cross, he rose from the grave. 
To say that his sacrifice, his payment on the cross for our sins was sufficient, was satisfactory, was enough. And just as he rose from the dead to glorious life, we too can have the hope of one day, of one day rising from the grave as well. And that's the last thing that this whole light symbolism represents in Christmas. Jesus as the light of the world symbolizes life to a dead world. Life to a dead world. Again, in verse 4 of our passage, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We are dead in our sins. We, can, we cannot do anything for ourselves to save ourselves apart from Christ. We can't do enough good works. We can't donate enough to charity. We can't attend enough church services. We can't read enough holy books. We can't pray enough. By ourselves, we are completely dead. Unless God himself acts. Unless the grace of God comes to us. And we have that grace. We have that eternal life through Christ. As our passage said, again, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what we are celebrating this Christmas. The gift of life that God the Father gave to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. But like any other gift, that you might receive in these holidays. It's Christmas. It's one thing to be given a gift. It's another thing to receive the gift. It's one thing for me to have a present for you all this morning. Everyone, check under your seat. No, there's nothing under your seat. It's one thing for me to say, here's a gift for you. It's another thing to receive it. The Bible says to receive the gift of salvation, of life, this thing, this hope that Jesus came to bring, we must believe. Faith. Not, faith is not an act. It's not something we, we do or a ritual we perform. It's not a number of things that we end up accumulating. Faith is simply throwing your hands in the air and saying, God, there's nothing I can do to save myself only you can save me. That's faith. Simply trusting that his, his payment on the cross, Jesus, his life, his payment on the cross, his resurrection is enough to save us. Is enough to give us new life. Is enough to transition us from, from death to life. Is enough to transition us from darkness to light. Simply throwing ourselves to the mercies of our holy God. And that's the invitation for us this morning. If you have yet to do that, if you have yet to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, of his salvation, of the life that he brings, the light that he brings into this world, the invitation is for you to do so today. It's why we have gathered this morning to celebrate, yes, his advent, yes, his coming, but to also give you the opportunity to put your faith, to 
who put your trust in the only Savior of mankind. Again, Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless. Listen, if you've had a bad year, if you had a bad couple of years, if you have been going through it all, going through hardship, looking for where you could find hope, where you could find some sort of security, some sort of sure foundation to stand on, I'm telling you, there is no other place to find hope in this lifetime that is more secure than Jesus Christ. There is no other place to find that light at the end of the so-called tunnel. The light at the only, the only light at the end of that tunnel is Jesus Christ. And for those who are sitting there and thinking, how can I, how can I even relate to these people? You know, they seem so holy and so righteous and so good. You know, they don't know what I've done in my life. They don't know the things I've done in my past. People I've hurt. The ways I've hurt myself. Again, Jesus came to bring grace. Grace to a disobedient world. Grace to sinners. Regardless of what you've done. He came to bring God's goodness, God's favor, God's love. And again, as we mentioned, Jesus is the light of the world came to bring you life. So that you can look towards a future, a tomorrow beyond what you have here and now, beyond the, the frailty of your body, be, beyond the debt in your, in your bank account, beyond the, the, the monotonous work life of, of going into work and, and, and striving just to be able to put, put food on the table. Beyond all of that, Jesus came to bring you hope and life of a world, of a, of a tomorrow where there is no more sin, there is no more pain, there is no more hurt. And all of that you can receive today by putting your faith, by putting your faith in the only Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, the invitation is for all of us this morning, even if you are, uh, if you are a long-time believer to be once again reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the living hope that we have. Despite whatever you might have experienced this past year and what you were going to experience in the new year, that you have an anchor to hold on to in the storms of life. Grace for all the times that you've stumbled and fallen. And of course, the eternal hope that we have, the life that we have in I invite, if you, have, if you have not yet become a child of God today, in fact, that's what the truth, that's the hope that we have in Scripture, that when we put our faith in Christ, we become a child of God today. It's not some future hope. It is a hope for today. 1 John 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. We should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are, children, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know, what, we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. 
All of that comes to us through faith. Believe today and you will be saved. Receive the light of Christ. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.